Welcome along to Crunching Gears, Season 1, Episode 9. In this episode, Dr. Frank O'Donoghue and myself, Kevin Vendelling, talk about him. Dr. Frank takes us through his early years and doing navigational events, going into stage rallying, and he tells us about some of the legendary drivers he sat with in the intervening years, Frank Fennell, Billy Coleman, Bertie Fisher, just to name but three. He then goes on to explain later in his career, set, uh, helping Motorsport Ireland out, setting up different events and different bits and pieces. That's a very, very interesting lesson. I'm sure you all agree. What could you do in a works car with works back up, you think, Frank? Sure. Take it handy and win every rally around. <laughs> <laughs> Fisher and Andrew Nesbitt have made the 1999 event a classic, as we have already said. Never has so much been provided for so many by so few. Me, the proudest time and the, the seat of a rally here, because that day and that hour and those minutes, I got the butt between my teeth. You know, I really stood up and was counted and said, this is not getting away. I remember when we pulled on our helmets and, and Donald says to me, what are we doing? I said, we're going for gold, Barrett. Welcome along to Crunching Gears. In this episode of Crunching Gears, we speak to the Frank O'Donoghue. This man has been a legend of Irish motorsport for more years, and I'm sure he cares to remember. He, uh, he sat with some of Ireland's top talent, and I'm sure he'll explain to us as the episode progresses and it's also been involved behind the scenes. Frank, you're very welcome to the episode tonight. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, how, how did you first get involved in motorsport? Well, I, I grew up in Dunboyne, County Mean, and uh, before Mondello came on stream, it was the main, uh, Dunboyne and, and the Phoenix Park were the two major motor racing events in the Irish calendar. And our house was actually on the inside of the circuit. Uh, so we, we, had to stay in, we had to stay in our gardens and house until the racing was over. Uh, also growing up in Dunboyne was David Yeats. And the two of us, literally, we, we, we met each other when we were babies. <laughs> and <laughs> we're, still, we're still the best of mates. So um, uh, David was equally bitten by the bug and he had a mini traveller. <laughs> he decided we were, we were going to go rallying. So <laughs> he... We started off at a very high level at the at the um, at the uh, double diamond rally, which was run out at Dundalk, a mixture of stages and navigation. Uh -huh. And I was so clueless, I had to get Noel Davin to show me how to plot. I didn't know how to plot a, a point on the, uh -huh. the map, and it ended badly anyway. We hold the sump because we had no sump guard, and in those days, you, yeah. all you needed. I don't even know if you needed seat belts in the car, but anyway, it was <laughs> nothing in the car. But we it, it, we got a bit better, and uh, after a while, he. He got a Cooper S, mm -hmm. and uh, that's how I met my wife actually. Because our first event in the Cooper S, up near Kingscourt, night navigation event, 
came over a crest, the road went right and we went straight on and took the left suspension out of the out of the Cooperette. And we were sitting at the side of the road and this car came along with these two lovely ladies in it and uh, they stopped to help and one of them was Audrey and uh, we got married eventually. In fact, her her brother went on to, to win that event that night. I knew her brother before I knew I knew Audrey. So it was a night of mixed fortunes, but anyway, yeah. there you go. Every and so then we went on. He, he, at the same, around the same time, I began to, uh, actually we were coming home from the mountains for a drive one Sunday and at Baldonnell Airdrome, there was some motorsport thing going on. So we went in to have a look and I met with Frank Fennell. Mm -hmm. And myself and Frank then teamed up together. And uh, Frank, he was a, he's a, was, still is a phenomenal driver. And we won, I think we won, <laughs> it sounds very boastful, I think we won eight club events in a row. And then we finished, I think it was sixth or seventh in the circuit of Ireland. Then we won another uh, six or seven events. So we had a great run. It wasn't down to me. Uh, Frank was a brilliant test trial driver, right. and if I made the balls of the of the night navigate of the map reading bit, he he usually pulled me out of trouble by being fastest on the on the driving test. Oh, so we we did okay, but his best drive. Say again. Sorry. It was always a team effort. Like, you know, it takes the two sides of the car to get a result. Ah, yeah, but he was brilliant. He was very mm -hmm. good. But yeah. um, he 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 drove exceptionally well in the circuit of Ireland. Uh -huh. uh, in 68 I remember now I know I'm taking into account that he lives near Sally Gap he lived in, in uh, Churchtown only right. down the road from Sally Gap yes. but of the, and it was a huge entry there were 120 cars and of the 120 cars he finished fourth fastest on Sally Gap uh -huh. behind uh, uh, Roger Clark Paddy Hopkirk and I think either Chris uh, Chris Slater or Billy Coleman I can't remember which right. yes and he, we, we, the cars were let go at minute intervals. It was 25 miles long, but over the 25 miles, he caught five cars. <laughs> he was just brilliant, brilliant driver. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, we went on from there, and then I suppose around about 19, well, the late 60s, I began to navigate for Paddy Fay. Uh -huh. he, he lived quite close to us in Blanchardstown. Okay. And if anybody knows Paddy, Paddy is one. One extremely nice guy, but terribly funny fella as well. Right, okay. And we, we did a lot of rallies together. And uh, in fact, we were we were the first crew from Britain or Ireland to do the Madeira rally. Okay, yeah. Which which was some <laughs> some epic because we we drove the car down to Lisbon. And my lads now they wouldn't they wouldn't go to Cavan without the car being up on a trailer. You know, we went to Lisbon and yes. when we got to Lisbon, the travel agent said, You take the car down to such and such a dock and you put it on such and such a freighter uh -huh. and here's two here's two tickets for you to fly to Madeira. Okay. This was all being paid for by Smiths, the Renault people, because Paddy had won the Autocross Championship the the previous year. Okay, perfect. Uh, anyway. Um, Paddy said, "No, no, we're going with the car." And the guy said, "No, you can't go with the car. It's a freighter. Nowhere to sleep." And Paddy, mm -hmm. said, it's "Okay, we'll sleep in the car." And then I realised he had a severe flying phobia. Oh, crazy! Right? And when the guy says you can't go in the car, full stop. Paddy said, "That's it. We're going home." And I said, "I didn't come down to the arse end of Europe to turn around and go home again." So anyway, I got him full. Of, I was only a medical student at the time, so I got him full of whiskey. It's the only thing I could do, and. Uh, Got him onto the plane, and the first thing Paddy said to the air hostess was that he wanted to sit 
in the toilet. Now, he, she thought that he wanted to use the toilet, but he said, no, he says, I know, he said, the toilet, the back of the plane is the safest place to be if there's an air crash. <laughs> but they wouldn't let him anyway. So when we landed in Madeira in those days, the runway was very short. And if you went too far one way, you crashed into a mountain. And if you went too far the other way, you fell into the sea. And every single plane that landed, two fire brigades tore along the runway on either side of the plane. And Paddy says, geez, he says, do they always land like this? And I, I didn't know. I said, yeah. And so he said, well, that's that. I'm not coming back on any effing plane. <laughs> and he got a banana boat back. I had to fly, fly, fly back. I had to wait an extra day in Madeira and then fly to Lisbon and wait another day for the cursed banana boat to catch up. <laughs> but we great fun rally, you know. Yes. Uh -huh. on, one, on one event, he was worried about a fellow called Dan McAllister. I think he's dead since. He was a very good racing driver. And he appeared out in this rally. And nothing would do, Paddy, but he was worrying and worrying about Dan McAllister. And I said, look, it takes racing drivers. It takes them a good few events before they can be anyway decent rally driver and no 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 he's fierce quick that fella you want to watch him and, he, and he, anyway he was calling it off the bend and i said 60 degree left and paddy reckoned this was a 45 left and he gave it plenty and next thing we were upside down and the first thing he said to me was you know what you look like i don't know what you look like a turkey hanging up in a christmas shop because i was upside down in the bed but anyway well we, we got fun with paddy and then Got a bit more serious because um, Billy asked me to navigate for him. Yeah, Billy Coleman came on. That was early seventies at that stage, wasn't it? Uh, nineteen seventy or seventy-one, uh -huh. there, thereabouts. And uh, I remember the first event. It actually was up in Monaghan, and it was winter rally, mm. and it was a mixture of night navigation and stages. I think I was drafted in because I was getting to be a handy enough navigator at that stage. Okay. And because of the navigation. And well, the stages were looked after by, by Billy. Uh -huh. It was in TIU 250. Right. And we tore off down the first stage anyway. It was grand. And then I could see this bend coming up. And I was trying to see it on the map because we were only just into the stage. And uh, it looked like a gentle ride, but it actually turned into quite a, a 90 degree ride. Uh -huh. And I thought, geez, that's it, we're gone. And I was looking at the door because the door was all cut away. There was only the door skin between me, me oh, and the trees. Make it as light as possible, I suppose, wasn't it? Oh, light as possible, yeah. yeah. So anyway, sure, geez, he started out down the gear, whatever these fellas do, and yeah. pulled handbrakes, and, and we were gone. And I asked him about it at, at the end of the stage. He, he didn't even remember. It was normal day, like, you know. He was just hugely talented. Yeah. And I did, I rallied with him for the next nine years eight or nine up to 1979 anyway uh -huh. and uh, yeah like he was a phenomenal talent he's probably one of the most talented drivers to ever come out of Ireland really wasn't he Billy you know, well he would have been one of them I never like yeah. to say because I sat with some very good guys and I don't want to say he was no. the best or he was yeah because I'm friends with them all still yeah <laughs> <laughs> but he was he was he was he was uh, his ability to focus Kind of yes. he excluded nothing nothing mattered but but what we were at you know uh -huh. really, people talk now about the fashionable thing nowadays is you're in, he was in the zone but this fellow had his own zone like you know this was the stage above above most of yes uh -huh. uh -huh. yeah. but then he could, you know at the same time he could switch off in the rally and to go farming and things like you know for a lot of oh, yeah, drivers yeah. just completely yeah, he told me uh -huh. there's no doubt farming was his first love i don't know if this is widely known but it, 
you remember the circuit he did really well. He was right up there with Clark, and he went he went off the road in on the Glen stage because the exhaust broke, right. and he couldn't tolerate noise in the car. Okay, and it was distracting him for once, and yeah. he went off the road backwards and couldn't get out. But he had been seated number one hundred and twenty-seven or something like that, and here he was in the top three for most of the the event. Right, and at the end of that rally, Bill Barnett, the the one of the bosses in the Ford rally team, mm -hmm. they offered him. Maybe not a full works drive, but certainly a work supported drive. Yes. And he turned it down because he wanted to go and see how they did farming in North America. Took a year out and went off to North America. <laughs> so, but he was something else. But yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Very yeah. demanding guy. Right. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. I, I remember. And sometimes you know, he'd ask you the impossible. On one occasion, he told me in the Stratus, it had a very raked um, windscreen. Uh -huh. So if it's wet at all, it's tended to steam up. Okay. And it started to steam up <laughs> at the start of the stage. And we were just about to go. And uh, he said, keep the window down, he said, but keep the rain out. That's <laughs> how I was supposed to do. <laughs> and another occasion, um, another occasion, we were at the start of the stage in the stratus. And for a navigator, you know, you have to check your watch, the marshal's watch, the trip uh -huh. meter, um, pace notes or map, whichever uh, you know, yeah. at the time, and make sure that the marshal's time that was on the car, everything. And he, he, he noticed a misfire in the Stratus. Uh -huh. And he said to me, get onto the service crew and tell them about that. Now, I was just about to get to the 10, 9, 8. Yes. And that would have meant opening the door because the radio was in under my legs. Oh, Craig, yes. <laughs> at, at that time, it was the only time I told him, I disobeyed an order. I told him, F off, there's no pudding <laughs> going. <laughs> so, what, what were they going to do anyway in the 10 seconds left? Yes. They weren't going to fix the misfire, you know, so uh -huh. I'm going to have to live with this. Yes. But I, he, he, he was great. I, uh -huh. he, very I like the range of cars he drove, you know, too. Like you, you very, the range of cars he drove as well, like something yeah, else, you know. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Great, great range of cars. I mean, there was the, the, the TIU 250, the old famous uh -huh. Now, that thing looked awful, uh -huh. but in, in Billy's own words, he used to say to me, it's not how it, how it looks that counts, it's how it goes. Yes. You know, so, uh -huh. and exactly, he made it. Made he can it, make it good. But, there was that, there was the Alpine, there was the Stratus, yeah. there was the Withers of Windsor, Winds, Withers of Winsford, um, Datsun 240Z, yes. uh, which is probably the most comfortable car I, I ever navigated in because right? it, never, yes. uh -huh. it never bounced off anything, it glided over everything. <laughs> um, and then there was a succession of works escorts or semi well x works stw 200 uh -huh. r was one and then there was another one lvx 942 or something i can't remember uh -huh. um and a few other cars like that you know they were yeah and then i never i never actually navigated in them but i, I sat with them when it first turned the wheel do you remember the the car track gt escort yes yeah well that was launched up in um in Enniscary. And uh -huh. that's scary. Open, you know, what do you call it? Uh, P.R. Riley, Kilbarrick, Kilbarrick, out okay. in their hold. And uh, we went up and down, up and down the, the road. In fact, I don't know. I, oh, yeah. The first person to actually give it a run in competition 
was Barty Fisher and I think myself. Right, yes. Because I remember <clears throat> I, I had, I don't, I don't go into this too much detail, but I had the father and mother of accidents in the Wexford rally. Okay. And Bertie and myself had won Wexford the previous year. Okay. And a fellow called Seamus Burke, I don't know if you knew Seamus Burke, yeah. but anyway, Seamus, I think, he didn't come with a red light in his brain, like he just went <laughs> quicker and quicker and quicker. <laughs> and we were down near Clon Roach, and we'd know, we were lined fourth overall in a Group 1 car, and we'd no right to be up there. Uh -huh. But anyway, there was a long downhill straight, and the stage had been run twice before. And on, but the first two times were dry, and yeah. the third time, so the first two times were wet, the third time was dry, that was it. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I could see that I had the map, it was very fast right, very fast left, not flat, mm -hmm. very fast. Very, yes. And on the turned into the right hand bit, there was a manhole covered. You know, these are about two feet square, manhole, oh, yes. uh -huh. concrete lip. And I think the, in the back right wheel just touched the concrete and it. The back of the car skipped left and he couldn't get around the left hander then because okay. we were set up wrong. And he hit the bank and the car went, and I would, we were top gear. This was downhill after a long, long straight. Mm -hmm. And the car went nose over tail down the road and something hit my belt. So I'm not sure which, the map board or my, my hand, and the right. belt's open and I was thrown out of the car. And it rolled over and landed on top of me, except for my, my head and chest. But the rest of me was in under the car. Uh -huh. And I remember looking up at the side of the car and I saw the name of Seamus's company on the side of the car it was Burke Brothers Demolition. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't a straight panel on the car. It was totally just, but the cage held up. The cage, everything was plastered around the cage. The roof was down at the doors, front, uh -huh. everything. But uh, I, I, uh, I couldn't, I, I, yeah. Anyway, I stopped after a while and then, uh -huh. Because my wife, you know, she was just kind of carry on with three young kids. And right. then Bertie, after about six months, Bertie Fisher asked me to navigate him. Uh -huh. um, I, re I remember I was up at the circuit of Monaghan, just spectating, not the circuit of the Midlands, just spectating, or Midland uh -huh. Rally, whatever it's called. And uh, Bertie came up and he says, I want to have a word with you. And I said, yeah, is it serious? He said, oh, it could be, he said. And I was thinking, geez, I used to write a, I used to write a column in, in one of the motor magazines what did I say about it? Yeah, say <laughs> anyway, he said, would you do an event with me? And I discussed it with Audrey. And he was a safe driver, Bertie. You know, he was, he was a yes. great driver. So anyway, I, I, we went off and we did Longleat, the Longleat stages in Longleat House, which is not too far from Bristol. Uh -huh. And it was, that was in the guard track. It was the, that was the first time it ran. Okay. I think we finished, we finished third overall. Mm -hmm. But uh, just to give you an idea of what Bertie was like, he, he, he was so fond of that guy. He was such a gentleman, you know, mm -hmm. he really was. But before the start of the rally, we were in a, a small town called Froome. I, I think one of the Grand Prix drivers there. Oh, yeah, well, Jensen Button, I think, lives there, doesn't he? Or some, yeah, some of them get his Yeah, well, the, the guy, he's retired now. He was world yeah. champion there a few years ago. I can't uh, think of his name. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Um, Bertie decided he wanted a bar of chocolate or something, so he stopped outside a sweet shop and he went in. And I was there, like all navigators, with the head down, pencil in my hand, working mm -hmm. out. Or the, and next thing there was a bang, and the car shook. Oh, Jesus! And I looked up, and a camper van had clipped the wheel arches on, at, at the right, the right mm -hmm. wheel arch. And I 
think I said if this is anything like Ireland, he'll keep going. So I jotted down the number because I had the pen in my hand and paper yes. and everything. But it was actually the woman stopped and came back, and she was very upset. And she says, "Oh God, look at the wig!" And I said, "Well, you better talk to the drivers. This is not my area." So mm -hmm. at that stage, Bertie came out of the shop, munching away on a bar of chocolate, and she said, "I am so sorry. Your beautiful car." And he said. Sure, it's on you a bit of tin woman. Be on your way. You don't worry about it. And off she went then, you know. Uh -huh. That was the kind of them. You yeah. know. In Ireland the fellas would be rubbing their necks and talking about whiplash for oh, the next five years after mm -hmm. they got into the high court, you know. Mm -hmm. The clear would say he was he was like that. He was I, and on another occasion we were doing the court twenty. And we were doing okay. Jimmy McRae was leading and we were second. And he just hung the tail out. He was a very sideways man, you know, he hung the tail out too far mm -hmm. and the back axle caught. Do you know down the country they have these big natural stone piers for gates? They're usually mm -hmm. round, big round piers. Yes. And it hooked into that, it just peeled the back axle back and we were out on the spot. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we, Sydney Meek was servicing, so we, we went and we got them. Um, you got to change the back axle and we went out on the Sunday run. But before that, we were staying in the Silver Springs Hotel in Cork. Mm -hmm. I remember my little, well, not little now, he's 48 or now, whatever he is. Um, he was only about 10 at the time. And if you know the Silver Springs, there's a series of hairpin bends up to the, it's up on the hill and you walk mm -hmm. a private driveway up to it. And you yeah. put the little fella into it. You could barely see over the dashboard, like, you know, and he gave it full beans going up the hill, big power slides up, up the hill. Yes. Lock, lock, chop. Well, your man was in his element. He thought <laughs> it was the best thing since the sliced pan. Yeah. <laughs> That's what got him hooked on rallying. That's it. And he probably still remembers that to this day, doesn't he? You know? Say again? He probably still remembers that to this day. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, but the three lads went into motorsport then, you know. Uh -huh. Uh, particularly endurance rally and therapy but they all did karting and then three of them did unos yeah. and then two of them now have gone on into endurance rally and the middle fellow is an auctioneer really the kind of business he has weekends are busy enough time for him oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. but, uh, just going back, yeah. To, going back there a few years now to your time with billy as well i believe there's a bit of an interesting story behind the galway rally that just won <laughs> in 1979 yeah <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that story. It'll take a couple of minutes, but you'll have to bear with me. No problem. Yeah. Um, um, we, I went to do the rally, and it was in, it was in, I think it was STW 200R, which is a works escort. Yes. Anyway, arrived up at the start. I sat into the car and said, where's the Halda? A lot of young fellas don't know what a Halda is, but it was a, a, a mechanical trip meter. It wasn't yeah. like the digital ones that they have now. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, aren't you a good navigator? You don't need a halde. What do you need a halde for? <laughs> now, every navigator likes to have a halde. Yes. But I said, okay, right, I'll shag him anyway. But I said, okay. And I, what I did was I got out the map and I got the road book and I put the, the whole route onto my half-inch maps. Okay. Sorry, two or three of them. Yes. And uh, so I was grand. I put the road book, I had it on my lap and went off to, uh, to do the Friday run. That went grand. And on the Saturday morning, as I was leaving the park permit, they handed me an amendment. Right. And again, with the hassle of checking in and checking out and getting everything right, I stuck it into the road book and forgot about it. Okay. Now, we did the event and we came to a fork in the road just outside Portumna. Mm -hmm. The original route said, go straight on into the control and into the service park. 
Okay. But the new route said, go out and do an, an additional stage, come back to the fork and then go in. So when we came to the fork, I forgot all about the amendment. Yes. And I went straight in, checked into the control, into the car park, and the car went up on jacks. And that was as far as it went, because Sammy Hamill said to me, you're here very early. And then I remembered the amendment. Oh, good Jesus. Yes. So I down off the jacks, back out to the junction, out, did the stage, back in again, went through the control a second time, in and had service. Yes. And on the way into Galway, um, to start the course, Eamon Cotter, he's dead now, the poor man, pulled up beside us and says, you're excluded. And I, he said, for what? And he said, for going through a control twice. Now, normally you would be excluded for that, mm -hmm. but there was no penalty because I checked the regs. Okay. I had plenty of time all day to think about this. So <laughs> there was, there was uh, no penalty for it. I said, there's no penalty for that. So he wasn't too happy about that. And he tore off anyway. And in the goal, the next thing, the results went up and we were excluded. This time, the penalty was for failing to observe the official itinerary. And that was the exact wording of it. I remember okay. it to this day. And I said, hold on a second now. I observed the, the official itinerary. I went wrong at a junction, came back to it, and did what I was supposed to do, and then continued on. So I did observe it. They thought that I had gone in to park to the service park and had done something illegal, which um, I hadn't. No. I hadn't even changed tires, you know, because Sammy Hamill said it to me, thanks be to God. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they said, no, you're kicked out. I protested. The stewards rejected it. And that was it. We said, right, well, we're going to Dawson Street over this. Now, I have to go back a few weeks or maybe a month. Mm -hmm. At that stage, I used to be the psychiatrist to the Samaritans. I used to go down and if they had difficult cases or people they were worried about, they'd ask me about them. And I'd go down there every couple of weeks anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and they had said to me, will you go on the Late Late Show? their big fundraising drive on the 17th of February. I said, yeah, that's fine. And then I got a call from the Late Late Show to say, um, it's on now on the 10th of February. And I said, well, I can't do that. And Oh, you have to do it. You have to do it. Oh, you have to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And they were pestering me and annoying me. And the Samaritans wanted me to go on the Late Late, wanted me to go on the show. And I looked at the time schedule. And I said, okay, the rally's due to finish at six o'clock in Galway. Yeah. The late, late doesn't start till what is it, half nine or something like that. Uh -huh. So I said, okay, I'll get in, I'll change, and I'll get home. And I did. Now, I wasn't going to tell Billy this, especially with a protest going on. But no. first of all, the rally was late getting in, usual thing, delays and so on. Uh -huh. I didn't get into Galway until seven o'clock. And I immediately hopped in at my car at the time. I wasn't, I was appointed a consultant a couple of years before, but uh -huh. I'd old simply 1100. And I just legged it out to the car, still in the racing overalls, and drove as fast as I could. And it was snowing at the time. And I remember in that year, there was a petrol shortage. Now, it wasn't an all-out strike. It was some shortage, some trouble in the Middle East or whatever. Right, yes. And I remember pulling into a garage in Loch Ray and hopping out of the car in my racing overalls and saying to the young fella, fill it up as quick as you can. He must have thought it was some kind of lunatic, like yes. in racing overalls, getting out of a Cynthia 1100. Anyway. I got back into the car and I drove home and I changed into a suit. I went on to the late, late. And I remember Gay Bourne saying to me, he was a bit sarcastic. He says, your absence was noted. And I said, thank you. Anyway, I'm after driving from Galway through a snowstorm to get uh -huh. here. Anyway, when I got home, I wanted to go back to Galway, but the missus put her foot down. She said, I'm going back. And after, after doing a rally, driving to Galway, or driving from yeah. Galway. Anyway, so I got up early the next morning and drove back. But in the meantime, 
he really wanted to talk to me. He had no idea I was going to go, going to die. And he said, I want, I want, where's Frank? I want to talk to Frank. And Tom Walsh, you know Tom Walsh? He was his team manager. Okay. His famous guy, Tom. Anyway, Tom knew where I was gone, but he didn't want to tell him the truth. Oh, he's got to bed. He's a bit of a headache. And that was grand. Or talking away about this penalty. And the television was on over in the corner. And next thing, there I appear full face, you see, on the late show. And Bill said, is there a studio in Galway? And then, of course, Tom, well, he's actually gone. He's gone to Dublin. He's gone to Dublin. We're a protest. <laughs> so anyway, we stuck to our guns and the protest um, was heard. And I, their contention was that I had gone in and we had plenty of time to do an illegal service. But again, I had done my homework and I looked at the, I, I, at the tribunal, I said, I said um, are the distances in the road book correct? I knew it would be correct. And they said, oh yeah, Brian Brophy actually was, was the, 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 he was a solicitor. Uh-huh. Yeah, distances are correct. And I said, well, and this event is supposed to be run at um, 30 miles an hour on the open road. Oh, of course, of course. And I said, well, if you just take this for an example, and if, because they had an addendum, they hadn't worked out the average properly, and it worked out at about 42 miles an hour. Ah, yes. And, and I said, well, here's now on the open road, we're supposed to average 42 miles an hour. And of course, at that, the heads came up from the tribunal. Here was the club running events, way more than the permitted average on the open road. Yes. And I, I said, well, that's just an example. I said, there's no way we could have gone in, done a service, got out at a 42 miles an hour average and got back in again and still be on time. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we won the protest. But what really annoyed me was a girl in the control, the one we had gone through twice, she said six other cars had done the same thing. Right. She told us, but none of them were penalised. Nobody was protested then. So that, that, you know, that really got mm-hmm. to go. But yeah, that was a pretty good time. Then after that, then we finished second in the circuit to Pentia Ricola. Yeah, but you won goal in that year too. So that was that was actually, year we won it. Yeah, was, was, was that your first international that. one then at that time? Say again? Was that your first international one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, in fact, I think it was the old. I, we might have won Donegal years and years back. I can't remember. I'm getting old now. <laughs> but, uh, I, we, the first event I did with Bertie actually was the Sligo Stages, which eventually uh-huh. became around in the WRC. That was the very first Sligo Stages. Right? Okay. And we mm-hmm. did that. And uh, I won Wexford with him as well. And yeah. I did well in the Ulster too. Um, yeah. And the, did the art in the Alpine, but then again, we had used to have trouble with the scrutineers. And going back now to TIU 250, yes, <laughs> on one occasion, I don't know why, but they had no proper boot lid on the escort, right? So they beat out a piece of aluminium or something into a rough shape and put it on the back of the escort and they sprayed it mm-hmm. and sent them off to Dublin. Of course, the paint was wet. And by the time he got to Dublin, it looked like a cake with icing on it, with all the flies and dust stuck onto the, the back. So I was glad. we went up, and there was a, he was a nice man actually, a fella called David Bryan. He was the scrutineer up there for the circuit, and he got in, and the first thing that happened to him was he knelt on the way up with a couple of sandwiches, but Billy had left a cheese sandwich or a tomato sandwich, something squelchy anyway, and 
the man knelt on the, on the sand. He said, to him, you don't want to get, you want to get on the good side of scrutiny. You don't want yeah. to kneel on a tomato sandwich. Anyway, yeah. then he tapped the bulkhead between our compartment and the boot. Yes. And it was only that, uh, that board stuff, you know, the flex, it's like cardboard. It's like really stiff cardboard. Yeah. And you had it, had it painted black that looks like metal. <laughs> so he took me aside and he said, first of all, he didn't speak to Billy. He said, first of all, he said, never bring this car back here again. And secondly, he told me to get the, the metal, metal things. But Billy wouldn't be too fussed about things like that. Really. No, I didn't look, it didn't matter what it looked like. What it <laughs> on, on another occasion, at scrutiny, um, we were we were told uh, we had no fire extinguisher. So he goes up to the hotel, and at the end of the corridor, there was a fire extinguisher. So he came back with the hotel extinguisher. He was only lying there somewhere in the booth. And yeah, okay, that's grand. But as soon as we left the start, at the very first garage, he pulled in, pulled out the fire. It was a big fire extinguisher, all the ones in the hotel. Yes. Look after that for me until the end of the day. I'd pick it up on my way back in. <laughs> But these fellas did. I remember it was like Bertie was terribly funny at times. But in Galway one year, we were. Um, they, they, I don't know why they wanted his road insurance because you don't need it. You know, you have rally insurance. But anyway, mm -hmm. they asked him, "Was the car insured?" Oh, hey, oh, car's insured. Yeah, with whom? I don't know who he said. Eagle Star or something like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. now, where are they? London. <laughs> Whereabouts in London? He's a long pause. On the left, going in. <laughs> but he was a very funny guy, Bertie. I had great fun with him, though. Uh -huh. But at another occasion, he had this LVX 489T. Yeah. It was one of the three um, oh, Monty the cars, yeah. which were a bit illegal because they did, they, the, the, the wheelbase wasn't homologated. Right. It wasn't a homologated. And they were told never to park it close to another escort or people and see the difference between the two. But anyway, in the circuit, on the way down <coughs> on the Saturday morning, after having driven through the, through the night, it was the old type circuit, we yeah. went through the night. And coming near Banner, he said, there was a long road section with no stages. And he said, look, I'll tell you what, you drive it. He said, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go to sleep in the passenger seat there. And he said, there's two things about this. He said, it's a, don't stall it because there's a 24 volt starting system now that meant as much to me as the inside of this computer I, i'm not mechanically you know anyway so he says there's 24 it's hard to start and the second thing is he said the back wheels stick out an awful lot so don't don't snag it off anything but anyway we went to banher and there's a t-junction in banher with a high curb and i did the two things at the same time i snagged the thing and stalled it <laughs> and all i could see was this eye coming out from under an anorak over the other seat Okay, move over. I never, he never said a word. Though you, you couldn't fall out with him, like oh. mm -hmm. good, good, good fun with him. Yeah, he was, he was a good guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, then uh, I did, a few, I did a few more events. Then after in the early eighties, I did. Um, you done a year with Ernest Kidney as well, too. Um, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I think we finished fourth in Galway. Yeah, third or fourth with Ernest, and then we did. Okay, up in Donegal in a, in a Dawson, yeah, Andy Dawson's uh, Nissan of Datsun, yeah, I think that's yeah, the 160J, yeah. but then my my brother in law Robert at that stage is a very, very good driver, and he uh, he mm. I did a few events with him in an Avenger and also did an event with him in a Clan Crusader, right? Yes, yeah, 
uh, it needed more power. It had a Hillman imp engine, wasn't the the, the, the quickest thing ever. Mm -hmm. But um, um, we did a few events in the Avenger. We did the Mintex in an Avenger, and we we were good fun in the Mintex because it, it was it's all around Yorkshire, and we were absolutely blitzed by a fella called Harry Hockley, I think his name is. Oh yeah. I, obviously knew the the forest well. Mm -hmm. I fair play to him. Like it was us known Sally Gapwell, same yeah. thing. But anyway. Um, he was passing us. We pulled a minute on us in some stages, and we were getting more and more despondent about this. And then there was a long drive north up towards Croft. There was a couple of rounds of Croft, uh, I think it was Croft uh, Rally Cross Circuit, okay. and and there was a forest up there as well. So we did the Rally Cross Circuit, but there was talk of snow. And mm -hmm. I said to Robert, we had these Japanese Dunlops. I don't know where he got them, but they were like bicycle rims, really right. chunky like motocross tires on them. Okay. So we said, look, there's nothing to be lost. We can't be any worse than we are. And we put them on and didn't it lash snow. I think we were four, uh, sixth fastest behind Mikkel and Hakkinen and Quattro's and all sorts yes. of things. <laughs> so that was our moment of fame. But then, then we then, he, he had this uh, Toyota, which was a quick Toyota uh, Corolla. Um, and we we're doing the circuit and uh, we were having a real ding dong with Louise Aiken Walker. Oh yeah, and she had pulled out time. It was the year you, you may or may not remember this. It was the year when they allowed pace notes in Ulster. Yes, but not for the rest of the event. Uh -huh. Do you remember that? Yes, yeah. that's right. I, anyway, over the border, we you just had to go back to the maps again. Yeah. Sorry. Whenever you went over the border, you had to go back to the yeah. maps again. Yeah, yeah. go back. But anyway, we we we, we were. We, we were close enough to her on the way down and we had a good run at, at the, the Healy Pass. I think we were, it was only a second either way between us. Mm -hmm. But on, Kilma on uh, and Kilmacalog was the same, but then it was our groom. And I don't know if you know this, our groom, but it's a lot of 90 left, 90 right. But there's these limestone, natural stone blocks or stones at, mm -hmm. at, on, on the edge of each corner. And on one of them, he must have brushed against it because it opened the tire. Now, yeah. it's, a, it's supposed to be a tarmac stage, but it's what I call gravelly tarmac and a lot of loose chippings on top of the tarmac. Okay. And he didn't know, he didn't fit, but it was a long straight with a, with a jump after. And geez, he took off on the jump, but when he landed, it was slightly right and it landed on the back left wheel where the puncture was. Yeah. And the thing just went crazy. Like it was top gear accident again, and we hopped over a fence and into a field. And things are a bright mess altogether. So I did that with them. That wasn't too bad. Now, this was after I'd had the accident with Seamus Burke. Yes. So then we were doing the Ulster and up near Newry somewhere in the mountains up there. We were going downhill on, and there was massive rocks on either side of the road. That's the size of haystacks now. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I don't want to do this anymore because if we go off here, we're going to have a huge accident again. Mm -hmm. And I said it to him at the end of the stage, I said, that's it, I'm stopping it. I finished the rally, all right, no yeah. problem, read the notes and that. But I said, I'm not doing, I'm not doing uh, any, any more of this. Yes. So, uh, did I do any more? I might have done one or, I might have done some with the young lads. Oh, well, I did a lot of in, in, in night navigation events. Yes. With the young uh, lads. Yeah. Uh -huh. I we went to England then and, because uh, uh, over in England they had, uh, I could see this thing, endurance rally, and I said, because I know from, from being at the other end, I knew the expense of the top end. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, I said, there's no way, lads, I can afford it. I, I can't help you there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I said, okay, myself and Carl went over and we did a few of these events. And he had an actual, absolutely brilliant one. We did the, the Lombard three times. And the first time we retired, drive, we had a Citroen AXGTI. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, he broke a drive shaft 
and the second year he broke a drive shaft again. They were very fragile cars. Mm-hmm. And the third year he got a Rover. And he, after, he led it for three of the four days, but on the third day, the fourth day, whatever it was, he uh, just dropped a wheel coming out of a chicane. He dropped it into a drain. Not a mark on the car, but he got beached. Uh-huh. And uh, had to wait to be pulled out by another Irish fella. He dropped down to fifth. I shouldn't be boasting about it, but it was a brilliant drive. He got back up to second by the, by the end. And if it was another day, he would have won the thing. Yes. And uh, it was a brilliant drive because it was 360 kilometers of selectors uh-huh. through the forest, Dalby and Kielder and, and places like that. But the, Lombard had sponsored it. And as far as I could see, if he'd won it, he would have gone on the trophy with Michele and Clark. And that. Yes. <laughs> but look, he was delighted with second then. Yeah. And I, I pestered the rally uh, committee here to, you know, let, why can you not let us start this thing here? And a lot of hemming and hawing eventually persuaded. And Aer Lingus came on board. Well, the rallies committee said, you're going to have to get a club to run it. And I asked Aer Lingus, because I used to be with Aer Lingus years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And they, they ran the event. It was a struggle initially because we started off in 2011 in the teeth of the recession. Yes. But we kept going and, you know, it's gone from well, it was one or two events in the first year. And last year before COVID came in, there was eight events on the championship. And I had very healthy entries all around, 70. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a real success story. Of, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. I, was, I mean, I, I put it down to, I asked Aer Lingus to do it, and there was a very good team there, and Noel Devlin and Raymond Scullion and John Carroll, and they had run stage events, and they took a chance on me. And they mm-hmm. said, okay, right, well, we'll give it a go. And uh, they, they, were, they had very good organization, organizational skills, which I didn't have. I, I, was Clark at the course for a night navigation years ago, mm-hmm. but that was it. But they were doing the stages event every every year, yes. And they took it on board and uh, it went well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like that's what's it's badly needed, isn't it? Like an affordable form of motorsport, like rallying now, yeah. but very yeah. exclusive, very expensive now, hasn't it? You know? Yeah, and, and the format is simple, you know, <clears throat> basically standard 1400cc car. You're allowed to ship it, and the reason for that is it's very difficult to police. Yeah, you know, if, if we've got, for they said, okay, we just allow it. Let them chip them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can change the suspension, which is a wise thing because the roads sometimes are a bit rough. And uh, if you're allowed to put in a roll cage, but if you do, you must wear a helmet and you must have a rally seat. Okay, yeah, a one-piece rally seat. But Carly, eldest fella, he's not a roll cage, which kind of worries me a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you must have the full harness, but they don't have to be the central buckle type. They can be the clubman type, where you just pull the two, oh, the two yeah. halves together. Uh-huh. Um, so that's all you need. You need a sump guard, obviously, and uh, a halter, and away you go. Like mm-hmm. Carl, Carl, after the first couple of years in the Rovers, the problem with with the Rovers is they were big, bit big. If there was any kind of driving test involved, right, the yeah. Starlets were a better bet. So we bought a rally prepared starter for 1,250 quid. Now, halfway through the season, the engine was smoking and we, we had them NCT'd, so it's not going to pass. So we got an engine for 300 quid out of a scrapyard and he won the championship. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't, you can't, uh, now, nowadays it's gone a bit more sophisticated because yeah. the fellas started to get chipped chip, whatever you call ECU things from the course. Yeah. And you know, once one fella does it, that's it. Yeah. Aye, everybody has to do it to keep but up. The tires them. are controlled. You have to use a certain make a tire, and they're 60 quid a tire. So, you know, uh-huh. um, and they last you because the cars are not that powerful. So, no, you're not going to be burning off tires every yeah, yeah, two or three yeah. stages or whatever. Yeah. 
but that, that's about it. I was involved then in, in, in classic rallying as well. Uh-huh. Myself and Fennel got together again uh, in 1980-ish. Mm-hmm. And they, when the first Circuit of Ireland retro was okay, run. Yes. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we managed to win the first three. Brilliant. And then we were fourth and then we were tenth. So we kind of gave up after, <laughs> <laughs> after that. And but Frank yeah. had a really bad accident there a few years ago too, hadn't he? Out, Again? Out, was in Spain. Frank had a really bad accident out, wasn't it? Uh, Spain he had. Was yeah. What, what actually happened, he was in the Monte oh. and... Um, he was late, uh, you know. Anyway, without pointing the finger at anybody, he lost it on, on a bend and went over onto the wrong side of the road. Okay. But it was an oncoming car. But he foolishly went went onto his wrong side of the road. And at this stage, Frank had gathered the thing together and got back onto his okay. right side of the road. Okay. So there was a collision. And the other fellow had skis on the roof of the car and they came through the windscreen and hit Frank in the throat. So I don't know if you've heard him, but he, he's he's very whispery voice now. Right. But he broke six ribs and either two legs and one arm or two arms and one leg. But right. he was in hospital. He was in a coma for a while. Right. But he went back the next year and won it. <laughs> 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 and my wife complains about it. She says, when I went to visit him in hospital, he was sitting there in the bed and he said, oh, that's it. I'm not doing any more rally. And he goes back and won it. <laughs> You can't keep a good man down, it's not what they say. No, you can't. I hate you. a brilliant driver. Yeah. Fantastic car control. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and was it 2015 you won the Avon Webb Memorial Award? Yeah. For outstanding contribution. That must have been a real feather in your cap. Well, it was nice to, to well, you see, I, I, had a, I had a leg over every over other people because. I used to do medical officer at Mandela for years and years. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not doing it now because they're all getting paid for it now, but I used to do it for nothing, you know. <laughs> anyway, and then I was on the navigation. I'm still on the navigation. They keep putting me on the navigation subcommittee. I've been on it something like 16 years now, and every year I get this. No, I don't seem to have any choice. In it. I, just, I get a letter saying I'm back on the, on the committee. You've been volunteered again. <laughs> so I, I, I had a finger in different pies if you like so they, they, they gave me the other way. I was yeah I was very pleased a uh, big honour to get get mm-hmm. something like that you know but uh, yeah <laughs> and like, you, you stand there you know you still have huge involvement with motorsport Ireland and all as well too like, it must oh, they, oh yeah that's the other thing I'm the anti-doping officer for motorsport <laughs> Ireland <laughs> so, which which uh, there's a lot of a lot of paperwork involved, but there's no, there's no performance enhancing drugs in motorsport. You know, no. if you take steroids, for example, you just get heavier, and that's the last thing you want is to have a heavy driver in the car. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but what we do get are fellas taking recreational drugs, okay. and they forget. Like I give lect- lectures or talks to, to various clubs whenever I get the chance to get them all together. Uh-huh. They forget, like that if you take cannabis, cannabis can be detected in your blood up to six weeks after you've taken it. Okay, right, yes. And a lot of them are the same because the tests now are so sophisticated. That's like the Lance Armstrong thing. They went back and looked at his his samples with modern methods and they found, you know. Uh-huh. But we, we've had a couple of fellas. I had one fellow actually before one event and he, he had uh, alcohol on board. Right. Now he was well below what was then the legal limit. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't let our limit was zero because if he had gone into the crowd, even though alcohol wasn't involved, the papers mm-hmm. got hold of it. Mm-hmm. Drunken rally driver, you know, blah blah blah. Of course. Um, yeah. 
So you have to be careful. And, and mm -hmm. Anyway, would you want to be sitting beside a fella going going up Mall's Gap or, or the Healy Pass when he's full of, full of some sort of chemical? Hmm? Mm -hmm. No, neither. I wouldn't either. It's a great house. I've made lots of friends over the years and I'm still friendly with many of them. And, uh -huh. I never fell out with any of the drivers. Or, no, and again, you know, that's, that's a fantastic sport, isn't it? Like, you know, there's such great friendships built and, you know, it's yeah. lasted a lifetime, as, as you just said there, you know. So. Yeah, well, I, I remember the first year, well, the year myself and Fennel won the Night Navigation Championship, the cars were prepared by a fella called Tony Phillips. Mm-hmm. Um, called Twinny for short because he was an expert at building twin cam engines, but he's a legend. And that was 1980. Well, now tomorrow I'm going over to Tony with one of the lads' endurance cars. I'd like to get some work done. Yes. <laughs> he'll still grumble and I'll grumble about what he's charging me. And, you know, but we're still... Yes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, there you go. But I wouldn't change it. I met my wife through it. You know, yeah. the lads all do it. Yeah. At this stage now, they're more like brothers to me than sons. You know, we, uh -huh. we can sit down and, and talk about the, the, the thing. And, Mm -hmm. And have they ever been tempted to venture anti rallying? Are they happy enough with the endurance training? Say again? Have they ever it's been tempted to venture anti rallying? Yeah, yeah. Car Carl, Carl did, uh, he upgraded his rover and mm -hmm. he he went and did the uh, modified up to, to 1400cc class mm -hmm. in the Erlingus Forestry event. And even though the car is bog standard, wasn't even chipped at the stage, he yes. finished third overall. Okay. Oh, sorry, third in his class. Yes. Then he went to Wales and, and did the same over there in, in the in what they call a rally first class. It's like a an up an upgrade, up, upgraded example of a endurance car. You have okay. to put in the safety upgrades and he finished he finished third over. I think he did some other ones as well. Like, I can't remember. I lose mm -hmm. track of them all now, but what they're at. Yeah, but Carl would be the one he'd be the most competitive of them, you know. He'd be yeah, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the middle fella has kind of just hasn't got the time to be doing it. And the youngest mm -hmm. fella, the youngest fella, a cousin of mine, I'll explain them to you like this. A cousin of mine asked me, he said, well, which of them is the best driver? And I said, they're different. And, he, and then he said to me, well, look, if you had to have a getaway driver after robbing a bank, who would you choose? <laughs> and, and I said, well, I said, if you didn't know the route and it had to be driven blind, I'd pick Carl every time. I said, if it was, he's the eldest fella. I said, if it came out of the bank and there was snow all over the road, I'd pick Miles because he's phenomenal reflexes. Yes. And I said, if we had a chance to practice the route, I'd pick the youngest fella because he's very meticulous. He's bang on. Like when he was racing at Mondello, they all saying you could put a penny on the track and he'd hit the penny every time. Right, like, you yes. know, and it's, it's uh -huh. lap times were very consistent. Uh -huh. So, yeah, they're all different. And, yeah. And, yeah. You know, I'd be uh -huh. killed if I said one was better than the other. You know? Yeah. I'd leave home. <laughs> <laughs> But that, you know, you can see the pride that that brings you to have the son still involved in the sport and all too. Say again? You can see Say. the pride that brings you to have your son still involved. Oh, in yeah, yeah, yeah. And their level, I mean, I said to them years ago when they were in cars, don't think you have, you're going to be the next Ayrton Senna because you have to have spend loads of your own money, which I don't have. Now, they're all at school at the time. Yeah. And secondly, you have to be with the right team in the right car at the right time yeah and yeah unless those all those things come together you can forget and you also you have to have extraordinary talent yeah. i don't know if they had the, the talent or not but we never found out that but you know uh, and they, they enjoy themselves they're good crack and mm -hmm. they're a nice bunch in the endurance in the endurance thing yeah it seems to be a very friendly safe yeah yeah. 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 yeah 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 
Well, Frank, I think that's just a nice wee trip down memory lane there this evening. So yeah. thank you very much for taking the time to join us here tonight. Yeah, not, not at all. Thank you very much for listening to Crunching Gears. That was Dr. Frank Bedonhue and myself, Ken Glendalong, talking about. If you enjoyed it, could you please like and share across all social media platforms? And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, could you please rate and review the show? It would be very much appreciated. Until the next time, take care.